And if you're taking notes or whatever you may be doing, if you're jotting some stuff down, my message today is called How to Pray Like a Righteous Man. And, you know, today this is a new series we're beginning. And for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at different people that prayed in the Bible. We're going to look at the results that they had. And I would guess that probably all of you or all of us have struggled with prayer at one time or another. I can see it now. You go down on your knees to pray, and you, like many of us, you don't know what to say. Anybody ever felt that way? You just go down there, and you, and you get down, or you stand, or however you, whatever position you pray, and you start, and you go... You know, I've been there. I've done that. You know, I get down there. Or you have a plan in place, and you get down, and you're going to pray, and you're going to seek the face of God, and you start out, and then what happens? That mind starts wandering, right? Oh, man, what I got to do today? I got I to gotta go. I got to make sure I get the kids to school. I got to make sure that I, I pick up groceries. I got to make sure that I get gas in my Oh, wait, I'm supposed to be praying. And you start praying again, and then all of a sudden it starts wandering. You know what I'm talking about? You've been there? I have. And I think that's something that we all want to do. I think we all want to know how to pray better. Matter of fact, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Everybody wants to know how to pray, what to pray, how we say it. And many times when we do come to a time of prayer, we just go blank. And we make this a time of prayer, we make it a difficult thing, but it's not a difficult thing. Can I tell you that most of my time spent in prayer is when I'm doing other things? Pastor, what do you mean? I mean, I'll be walking around. I'll be walking around this place. This is a pretty good place to pray, you know. But I'll be walking around this place, and I'll just be talking and saying, Lord, you know, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this you know, place that I can come and worship you. And, you know, and I, and I just, and sometimes I'll say, I'll be mowing the yard. Can I tell you, mowing the yard when all that noise, that it's a good time that you can get along with God because there's nothing else that you can hear but that, you know. And so you can spend that time, but we make it more difficult than what it should be. There are times that I talk to God in my car. Can you imagine driving down the road and seeing me just blah, 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 blah. You either think I'm on my cell phone or you think I'm doing something different, right? But a lot of times we can just talk. It doesn't matter where we're at. We can talk to God. We can spend time with God. Have you ever wondered why you don't get what you are in need of? James tells us in chapter 4, verse 2, James chapter 4, verse 2, he says, You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Then he continues in verse 3. He says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You see, many times God don't answer our prayers because we come with the wrong attitude. We ask him with the wrong motivation. What's your intent when you come to God with a need. James concludes his letter with a call to pray. If you have your Bibles, this is my, this is my text today. James chapter 5. And then uh, we're going to look at some in 1 Kings uh, chapter 17 and 18. But my main text is James chapter 5. We're going to read a few verses from here. And then we're going to look at a righteous man. 
that prayed. His name was Elijah. But James chapter 5, beginning at verse 13, it says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. See James, he begins this call to prayer by telling us that we should pray always. Whether we're in trouble or whether we're doing well. Can I tell you? How many of you When you're in trouble, you pray. Anybody? Raise your hand. How many when you're just having a wonderful day, you pray? Some of us, maybe not. We don't think about it as much. Why? But when we're in trouble, we go to the Lord in prayer. We need, God, I need you to come fix my troubles. Lord, I need you to come help me. Lord, I have this ailment. I need you to heal me. Or Lord, Lord, I'm struggling in this area of my life. I need you to help me. I need you to fix it. But yet when we're, everything's going great and everything's wonderful, we tend to forget and not think about the Lord. But can I tell you that James tells us that we should pray. We should pray always. We should pray in the good times, and we should pray in the bad times. We should pray when we're needing something from the Lord, and we should pray when we just want to thank Him for how wonderful and how magnificent and how great and awesome and powerful He is. We should pray always. James encourages us when we pray, he says in verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Then he mentions Elijah as being the righteous person that prayed and God answered. So we're going to take a look at this story. If you would, if you can, flip all the way to the Old Testament in 1 Kings. And I want to begin reading at chapter 17. Now the majority of my text that I'm going to read to you comes from chapter 18. But I want to begin by starting at 1 Kings chapter 17. It's kind of interesting. My reading, the, our reading this uh, past week, that if you've been reading along with us, trying to read the Bible through in a year, is this is a passage that we've actually read in the past few days. And so if you've been reading along with us on our, on our reading plan, uh, you've, you've read this and you've come across this. But 1 Kings chapter 17, uh, verse one. It says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kirith ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook And I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerith Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now let me give you just a little bit of backstory here so you can understand 
what's happening, what's going on. During this time, there was a king by the name of Ahab, and he was the king of Israel, and, and he was married to a Philistine woman and who's very well known for her wickedness. Does anyone know who she is? <laughs> it's Jezebel. I heard a bunch of people say it, yes. Partly because of Jezebel's evil influence, Ahab and the nation of Israel, they had fallen into a kind of part paganism and part serving God. I mean, they really didn't serve God. They just kind of acted like they worshipped him. And they supposedly still prayed to Yahweh, but they also worshipped some wicked pagan gods, Baal and, and Asherah. And so because of their disobedience, God sends Elijah to tell King Ahab that he and the nation of Israel would be punished with a drought. And there would be no rain and no dew for three and a half years. Now, let me just say this. I don't know about y'all, but we've kind of gone into a little bit of a small drought here up until just most recently. But it rained, for about two months there, we had no rain. And I don't know about you, but it was getting pretty uh, discouraging. The ground was dry, and I mean, it was, and it was, I mean, it was awful. There, you know, you'd get up in the morning, there was nothing on the ground. And, and can you imagine this happening for three and a half years? Three and a half years, the people would be going through this drought. And, and God sends Elijah uh, back to King Ahab, and he offers a challenge. Elijah versus the prophets of Baal and Asherah at Mount Carmel. And all of Israel gathered at the foot of the mountain, and they heard Elijah confront them and with these words from 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. It says this, Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. So here Elijah is, he's saying, look, you got to stop being wishy-washy. You, you got to understand who is the God that you're going to serve. Are you going to serve these false gods that, that don't know the truth, that are, that are full of lies, that can't, that can't perform or do anything? Or are you going to serve the one true God that brought your people out of Egypt? And he's asking them, who are you going to serve? And so the challenge begins... And the story starts at verse 22. Elijah gathers all the prophets of Baal. There were 450 of them in all. And he tells the people, I'm going to get two bulls and I'm going to let the Baal prophets choose one and I'll take the other. And he tells them, I'll let them go first and we will do whatever we want uh, to ask. We'll, uh, and they'll do whatever they want their, their God to, to call down fire, that whatever, however they want to do it, we're going to do that. And the God that answers by fire he is God. So the challenge has been made. So what do the bell prophets do? I mean, they make their little altar. They do their little thing. They dance around the altar. They're, they're saying, oh, prophets of uh, Baal, please hear us and please send down fire. And they're dancing around. I mean, this is 450 of these people doing this. That's got to be some kind of sight, right? I mean, can you imagine? And then they, they start cutting themselves until they, until they bled. And they started doing all this and trying to make this sacrifice and, and trying to make their God bring fire. And, and here's, I can just see, y'all, and this is in my, picture, in my mind, I'm picturing this. I can just see, oh, Elijah, he's probably grabbed him a stone or something, just sitting back, just waiting, you know. And he starts taunting them. Hey, maybe you should scream a little louder. I don't think he can hear you, you know. 
Hey, maybe, maybe, is he out on vacation? Maybe he's gone traveling. I like what the Living Bible says. It says, is he on the toilet, you know? I can just see Elijah sitting there making fun of these prophets as they're trying to send down this, this fire, you know, and I can just see him. And finally, about later that evening, it's getting close to the end of the day, close to the uh, evening sacrifice, and he finally just says, okay, enough's enough, you know. Y'all been dancing around for the last, you know, 12 hours or whatever it was, trying to make it happen. It's not going to happen. Your God's deaf. He don't hear you. And so he said, bring me 12 stones. And so each stone represented the tribes of, of, uh, of, of, of Israel. And he brings them, he makes an altar. He puts the sacrifice on that altar. He cut up his bull and put the sacrifice on that altar. And he dug a trench. And, and the Bible says that, that the trench was so big that it could hold about 40 pounds of seed. Can you imagine? Think of seeds, okay? 40 pounds, that's a lot of seed, right? He said, but that's how big the trench was. And so he began to pour, uh, three times he poured water on this altar, and it was so much water that it filled up the trench. And then I could just see Elijah, this man of faith, and he's walking back, and he's looking at this sacrifice, and he just kind of goes, God, I know you're the God. I know that you can bring fire. So I'm asking that you prove these people that you are the mighty God, the great God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And, and so I, I believe that he says this prayer, uh, he, and, and I believe that after he gets done praying, then I believe that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes this boom. And I think it was loud, y'all. You ever been close to a lightning strike? I don't know if it was lightning, but let me tell you something. I think that fire came down from heaven, and it consumed that sacrifice. It, it, it consumed everything on top. It consumed all the water. There was nothing left. And then all of a sudden, the people realized, hey, man, this God that Elijah has been telling us about for however many years, we believe that he is the one true God. We don't want to have anybody else, but we believe that he, what he has said is truth. And so what they do, they gathered up all these Baal gods, and they brought them, and they went and slaughtered them out, they killed them all off. But see, that's not all. Because you've got to remember, it hasn't rained in three and a half years. So now, Elijah has already proven to them that God's real. They've accepted that God's real. So what does, God, so what does Elijah do? He prays. Go to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink. For there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of, of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. And the seventh time 
The servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, pitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now maybe you're thinking this morning, so, so what makes Elijah's prayer such a good example for us to follow? I'm going to give you some points here real quickly. Number one, he made a plan. You hear what I'm saying? Elijah made a plan. He had a plan. It says that he got down on the ground and put his face between his knees. He made it a point to pray. He knew that he was not going to leave that spot, listen to me, until he heard from God. He was going to take all the time that he needed in order to reach heaven. Now let me ask you, how many times do we come down to pray and we get down and we say a little prayer and then we're like, okay, well he didn't answer and we get up and we walk away. And then we don't ever think about it again. How many times do we do that? And yet here, Elijah was determined that he was going to pray. He was going to make sure that he heard an answer from God. He was going to make sure that he got through to the throne room. Now this, you say, yeah, but Elijah was a man of faith. Can I tell you that we have something far greater than we could ever imagine. You see, Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. Jesus Christ died. He loved us. He cared for us. He wants something great for us. We have the same authority that Jesus had. He's given it to us. Do you see what I'm saying? So we, we should be men of faith, women of faith, that we can say and believe and know that God can answer our needs. How many of you have determined that you aren't going to move until God answers you? It's time that we make a plan to have a time of prayer in our life. Number two, he was specific. Elijah didn't simply ask God to bless Israel. Lord, please bless Israel. No, he was asking for rain. He was asking for a specific answer in response to his prayer. Now today, we're giving each of you a prayer journal. If I could, if my ushers could take those prayer journals and and anybody else that can help and let's pass those out, make sure everybody gets one. William, they're right there beside you. And uh, you're going to get a prayer journal. Let me say this. I want you to write down exactly what you're praying for. And I want you to use this journal only for prayer requests that you can actually measure. Now, listen to me. Because we want you to see these prayer requests fulfilled. I want you to avoid things like, God bless my son or daughter type prayers. There's nothing wrong with those prayers, but I want you to get specific prayers to determine if God has actually answered you. I want you to write down specifically what you're praying for, and then I want you to talk to God specifically for that need. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's one thing to say, Lord, I pray that you bless this church. How do you want God to bless this church? There's blessings could come in multitude of ways. God, I want you to bless this church financially. I want you to bless the hearts of the people that they turn towards you. God, I want you to, how, how is it? God, I want, you to, I want you to touch. I want you to bring healing to so-and-so's body. This is the element they have. Get specific with what's going on. Write it down so that you can see what God is doing. Be specific If you need a financial miracle, be specific in the amount that you are needing. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
If you're needing healing in your body, then make a plan to go to the doctor and prove that God has healed you. Let's get specific and see what God is doing in each of your life and your family's life over these next few weeks. Elijah was specific. He wanted God to send rain. Do you hear me? You be specific. What is it that you want God to do? Now, number three, listen to me. Elijah prayed for something he knew God wanted to do. After a long time, uh, uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1 says, After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. God promised that he would send rain. Do you hear me? Elijah knew that God wanted to send rain, that God wanted to do something specific. Now, if you look at some of the powerful prayers in Scripture, you'll find that they all mention either a specific promise God had made or a goal God was known to favor. Now, you would also find God answering prayers that would result in praise to him. And when we, when we pray, we need to think about why God should want to answer our prayers. That's what Jesus meant when he told his disciples in John 14, 14, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. To ask for something in Jesus' name means you are asking God for something you believe that he would want to do. Do you hear me? Does God want you to be healed? Yes. Does God want us to prosper? Yes. And if you don't know if it is something that God wants, then go to his word and look it up. Do you hear me? It's time that we not just rely on the preacher to feed us. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's time that we start digging in the Word of God to find some answers for ourselves. Now, is it okay for us to go and talk to the man of God and talk to the people that, that, that we feel like are, are good influences? Yes, we need to, there, there is something about coming together as people, as groups, and listening to one another, and sharing from one another, but we need to start digging into God's word for ourselves and start finding some things that we can grow and build up our faith and understand and know what God has for us, amen? The fourth thing, what I just talked about, Elijah got others involved, You say, what do you mean? Notice that Elijah sends his servant to look for rain. Elijah could have done that. He could have gone and looked himself, right? But Elijah was involving someone else in his prayers. Look what uh, Jesus said in Matthew 18, 19. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Remember what I read in James 5, 15, it says, or in 14, Uh, It says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Don't pray for your specific needs alone. Ask others to pray with you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Get people to come together. That's why we meet here on Wednesday night. One of the reasons is so we can come together and pray for needs. And we're seeing God do some things and why? Because we're coming in agreement with one another, and we're praying and we're believing with one another, believing that God is going to touch each other's life. And here's number five. I believe this is probably the most important thing I'm going to tell you today. Elijah acted like a man that expected an answer. Do you hear what I'm saying? Did you know 
that Elijah sent his servant not just once. He didn't send him twice or even three times. Do you hear me? But Elijah sent his servant seven times, and I believe that if he still didn't get the answer on the seventh time, then I believe that Elijah would have told him to go again. Do you hear what I'm saying? Elijah expected an answer from God, and a lot of times we come to prayer, and we come to a time of prayer, and we pray, but we don't expect God to answer. What's the point of praying if we don't expect God to answer? Do you hear what I'm saying? If we come to the Lord in prayer and we're asking God to minister to our bodies or minister to our families or minister to the church or whatever it is, then we need to get up from here expecting God to do what he said he would do. Amen? You want to pray like a righteous man? Expect God to do the impossible. Just because the doctor says that it's not, that you, there's no hope doesn't mean that God says there's no hope. Do you hear what I'm saying? Just because the bank says you're broke doesn't mean God says you're broke. Do you hear me? Just because your boss says that you can't work here no more and and you're no good doesn't mean that's true. There's something far greater and far better out there for you. And when we pray and we ask God to do something, we need to get up from that spot. We need to walk out the door and believe in faith of what God is going to do. Amen? I want to pray like a righteous man. I want to pray like Elijah did. Elijah expected it to rain. He told the guy to go not once, not twice, not three times, but seven times he told him to go. And what did the guy do? The seventh time he came back and said, guess what? I see a cloud rising up. It's about the size of a man's hand. I mean, can you see the guy? He's out there going, yeah, that's about the size of my hand. And he went back to Elijah with that information. And here's the funny part. I didn't include this in my word, but it's kind of funny. Elijah tells Ahab, run ahead, or they tell Ahab to run ahead, or to go ahead. Ahab gets in his chariot and he takes off and, and something amazing happens. And I, I was reading this today and it never really, I've read this story so many times, but it never really clicked until it says that God gave Elijah supernatural power to run ahead of the chariot to get ahead. Now, I don't know about you, but that was pretty fascinating. Here's this, this old guy, and he fixes his tunic so that he can take off running, and he passes Ahab in the chariot, and he gets to the city before he does. Now, some people are saying that was partly for respect, or I don't know, but all I know is that Elijah knew that God had answered him, and I think he wanted to get some shelter before the rain came. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because it rained and it rained, and it, and it, it healed the land. Why? Because Elijah had faith, and he went to God. When you get down on your knees to pray, pray, and then get up and act like someone that expects an answer. You know, there's a story about a western town that had experienced a hard drought. And one of the local churches held an announced special prayer meeting one night to pray for rain. On that night, the church building was packed. But the preacher told them, he said, all y'all need to go back home. He said, there's not going to be a prayer meeting tonight. 
Of course, everyone had a look of disgust. They're thinking, man, why aren't we having this prayer meeting? You've been announcing this. We've come. We're ready to pray. We need rain. We want something to happen. And the preacher explained to them why he wasn't going to have the prayer meeting. He says, we're not having this prayer meeting for rain because none of you bothered to bring an umbrella. (laughs) Do you hear what I'm saying? If we're going to pray for rain, you better make sure you bring an umbrella because you're going to expect God to do something, amen? You're going to expect him to do a miracle. Now, if you're going to ask God for something, then shouldn't you act like it's going to happen? Now, look at what uh, uh, James says in chapter 1, beginning at verse 6. It says, but when you ask, you must believe And not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Now, if you look at the prayer journal that I'm giving you, it has a place to put the date when when your need is answered. We want you to pray, and we want you to expect an answer. So here's your homework to do before next week. If you want to go ahead and get the kids and make sure they, they're, we're ready. So here is your homework to do for, for next week. Make plans to come back next week. That's, a good, that's an easy homework, right? Because we're going to be talking about prayer, amen? And we're going, to talk, we're going to take a look at Daniel's prayer. And I'm going to teach you to be people that learn to pray persistently. Now, there's power in persistent prayer, amen? Now, number two... I want you to start using that prayer journal this week that I gave you. And I want, I want to see all the prayers that are answered. I, I believe that we're going to see after these four weeks, I believe that we're going to see God do some things. This series is a four-week series, the end of August. My last sermon is, of this series is August 28th. And I believe that we're going to see God do some things. And you need to step out in faith and believe that God is going to do it. Amen? And so we're, we're, we're believing. So use this prayer journal so that we can keep track of it. And then I want you to join us this Wednesday for Bible study and let us pray with you for your specific prayers. Do you hear me? We can't just get just a little dabble, do you, anymore? Do you hear me? We are living in some last days. And I know you're sitting there saying, I've heard that all my life. I truly believe we are closer today than ever before. I believe that you're hearing things, uh, there's some rumblings out there, there's some things that are happening, and I'm telling you, I believe that God is closer today than we've ever seen this. There are are things that are being uh, fulfilled, and we need to be aware of what's going around us. So let me tell you something, I believe the time is now to take every opportunity that you can to get closer to God, amen? I think you need to read your Bible more, I think you need to pray more, I think you need to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And here in, a few, here, in a, here in a couple months, we're going to start some classes to help you do just that. We're going to start some classes to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord. But I believe right now we have cla- a class that happens on Wednesday nights that you need to be a part of, and we want you here to be a part of that. Can we pray this morning? Can we stand? I believe that God's done some amazing things this morning. Amen? God's moving in this place. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray over you, and then the kids are going to come, and they're going to collect for BGMC, and then we're going to take up the offering and and go home. But God is just doing some amazing things. I love what God's doing. And I believe that this is a start, us us, uh, uh, praying and, and believing for what God is going to do.
I want to pray over you. Lord, I just pray for every individual and every person here. God, I pray that they learn to pray like a righteous man, like a righteous woman. And they understand and they can hear your heart and know that what you want and what you desire for them, God, I believe that you're going to move in their hearts and their lives. God, that as we write these needs down, as we are specific in our needs and we write them down, God, God, I believe and know that you're going to bring answers to us. That you're going to give us answers and we're going to see you do some amazing things. And so, God, we're going to pray, believe, and know that you're going to do a mighty work amongst your people. And, God, I pray for every individual here, God, that they receive it in their hearts, receive it in their minds, that you speak to their lives. And we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Look at all these beautiful kids this morning. Amen. Y'all ready to collect some money for BGMC? Here's the big bucket. All right, they're going to come around and they're going to collect for you. They're going to collect all your change and your quarters and your dimes and nickels and any dollars and fives, tens, twenties, whatever you have. So far, we have raised over $1,500 for BGMC this year. You know what that means? That means that you have helped missionaries with about $1,500 from just BGMC. That's not counting our other money that we give to missions, to other types of mission programs. But this is just one. So our kids are going to come around and they're going to collect. Go ahead, guys. If only, if only I was that cute, right? I need them to take up the offering every week. That's a good-looking group of kids, isn't it? (laughs) Anybody else got any that the kids need to come collect from you? Hey, can we give them a hand? They do a great job every month. Our ushers are going to be at the back of the sanctuary to take up any tithes and offerings that you may have this morning. 
And uh, so we also have a, uh, a tithe box outside in the foyer. It's attached to the wall on this side that you can drop your envelope in there if you, if you, if you miss the ushers. Or you can also give online if you'd like to give online. You can do that as well. Has God moved in this place this morning? Amen? Have you felt God's presence? Amen. Can we stand this morning and pray one, one last time? Father, we just thank you for being here with us today. We thank you for moving amongst your people. We thank you for the lives that were touched. We thank you for the people that were healed. And God, we just pray and believe that you will go with us and go with us this week, God. Bring us back here Wednesday night to serve you and to listen to your word once again. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. Bless this offering that we receive this morning, God that we continue for your glory to do the things that you've called us to do, to be the church that you want us to be. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. We ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Y'all have a wonderful week. And uh, be sure to uh, uh, tell someone bye on your way out the door.